0: Welcome back to another episode of the Cricket Social Podcast. As a quick reminder, we are on the second episode of our ongoing mini-series called I, I, Captain. This mini-series is dedicated to the art of captaincy in modern-day cricket, so if you haven't listened to the first one yet, please go and check it out. The first two episodes of this series are going to focus on discussing things like role of a captain in modern-day cricket, some characteristics of a good captain, the power play involved in captaincy, so on and so forth. And then we are going to profile some of 21st century's unique captains. Today's episode is going to specifically look at why a captain needs to have faith in himself before he can have faith in his team. How franchise cricket is changing captaincy, and who exactly keeps the captain under control? Spoiler alert: it's not their spouses. With that, let's continue our discussion from previous week. Always oh, hit this one, Miles. Great right shot! Oh, it's a eight! He's got it! England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins! In the air, Srijan
1: picks it! India
2: win! So, that, that actually makes me wonder that should the best player in the team always be your captain, right? And I have some conflicting opinions myself about this because I can't decide one way or the other, right? Because when I think about it, to me, it seems like captaincy pretty much has nothing to do with being the best player in the squad. Right. You can be an average player and yet you can lead an ama- like the best cricketing talents you have at your disposal, right? But at the same time, it becomes easier to lead the people if you, know, you are on the top of the game and people see you as an idol and they will just blindly follow you, right? So I'm kind of split between that, you know, the question that should your best player be the captain? Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be a straightforward so <laughs> answer. But what are your um, thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, so I think in my opinion, I don't think uh, whether, uh, you know, a captain should be appointed based on whether he's the best player or or like an average player. It all depends on what kind of personality traits he has, how does he behave in, in a team environment. And if you look at the current situation, yeah, Virat Kohli is the best player and he's also the leader and I think he's doing reasonably well. But you could also argue that, yeah, Rohit Sharma maybe has better records and he also has similar or maybe better qualities to be a a captain. But yeah, I I don't think any decision on selecting a captain should be made on that. Because sometimes even performances go down once a best player is made a captain. and, And I think prime example is Sachin Tendulkar.
2: But I think on that note, like, you know, I honestly am on the side which believes that Royal Sharma is a better captain. But again, that that comes to uh, my next question, which is being the alpha in the team or being the more aggressive player in the team, does that mean that you get a free reign over the team to do whatever you want, right? Because if you think about Vidar Kulis captaincy, there was the whole controversy with him and Anil Kumble, right? Where the captain wanted entire control on doing whatever he wants. But at the same point, you had a head coach who was very headfast and wouldn't let that happen but now when you look at the way things are there is still the jury out on whether Shastri is the best coach or you know if he's just a yes man to the more dominant captain right now. Yeah
1: if you specifically talk about that topic then I don't think appointing Shastri has done any anything good to Indian cricket because we we still don't have any trophies uh, ever since he's been appointed the coach. And then, yeah, Kumlay had his own style. Virat Kohli didn't like that kind of style. And with Virat Kohli having such a big, you know, big kind of position in Indian cricket, I think everybody was aware that Kumlay would, would be shown the door, right? Because you just cannot lose Virat Kohli. But I still think uh, Virat Kohli is the alpha man. You know, similar example is back in the day, uh, Ricky Ponting was the alpha man in Australian cricket team. But he got the job done. He he won two World Cups. So, I, I guess it's just the overall tactical piece of it. Maybe Virat Kohli is short of that. And that's where some, some people are very vocal that uh, Rohit Sharma should be leading in ODIs. So, I guess again, it comes down to personality traits for me
2: you can definitely count me on that i'm absolutely on the side that believes that rohit sharma has a better captaincy uh, track record
1: i think even i kind of vote for that but then the challenge is i don't think rohit sharma is ready for test captainship and then this all all the debate about split captaincy comes into the uh, yeah i mean
2: Rohit Sharma Test Captaincy two opposite poles right now because he's basically trying to make his part firm in the Test squad. So, Captaincy seems to be the furthest thing from him at this point. But you never know.
1: Yeah, you kind of never know, right? Because let's say like Graham Smith, he was appointed captain at such a young age without having established himself or or maybe people saw some talent or some kind of skills in him. But yeah, he was given captainship and he did really well. So even with Rohit, you can back him that yeah, he's a pretty good limited overs captain. At least from IPL and some of the ODI captaincy that he's done. That once he gets his foot in the team, he can do pretty much same thing with test team as well. And then Virat Kohli can just focus on his batting. Yeah,
2: but well, the question is, would he want to though? Because uh... then again,
1: yeah, you know, going by the Kumle Kohli incident, I don't think Kohli is someone who would like to take a back seat. He wants things under his control. I think the same thing happened, right, with Steve Waugh and Ricky Ponting. Ponting was pretty much ready and then Steve Waugh, he lost a series just before the 2003 World Cup and he he was uh, not selected and uh, Ponting was uh, given the captaincy like few months before
2: 2003.
1: So, you have to take those decisions, right? And keep the future in mind.
2: That's true. And speaking of the future, what do you think that the modern game, or rather how is the modern game changing the way you need to captain a squad?
1: I think modern game is no longer just for fun. It's very, very professional. It is very commercial now. So there are a lot of stakeholders and a lot of expectations. So I think the captain, uh, basically the team needs to perform well. And that's where the captain comes into the picture. uh, You know, why or why not the team is performing well with all the media and and the scrutiny that keeps going on i think the captain needs to evolve he needs to be a very good communicator in my opinion right how he handles the media how he handles the press conference how he handles uh, even his interviews in talk shows basically right so i think he needs to be very smart at that in communicating just the right amount of information and not leaking Anything from the dressing room.
2: And especially with the franchise cricket coming in, the communication aspect becomes all the more important because now you have to captain players who you would usually play against and then everyone comes from different corner of the world so they have different styles of communication and different cultural backgrounds so you have to be very cognizant of that and have to be have to tailor your communication style so that you get your message across and there's no loss in translation there right? yeah
1: and, and i think yeah that's why franchise cricket is actually helping people develop because they are getting exposed to these different cultures they can actually understand and use uh, that franchise cricket as a platform to develop a skill. So that's great, I think. But then, I don't know, what, what are your thoughts in terms of personality, right? I mean, we need some strong personality, but then does he have to be very extrovert or very introvert? Well, what do you think of? it?
2: I feel like... A lot is made of is the leader introvert or extrovert in general, because it absolutely has nothing to do with someone's leadership qualities. Like you said earlier, it comes down to how good of a communicator you are. It does happen in the past that you have seen introverts who are amazing orators or amazing at communication. But it has also happened where extroverts just have a verbal diarrhea where they come out and just ramble about anything and everything without saying anything of substance. So I feel like being an introvert or extrovert shouldn't be the personality trait that should factor in when picking up a captain. Rather, it should be, did the person communicate with the team well enough to the extent where every person knew what they were supposed to do? They had right information that how they're going to fit into the team's plan and stuff like that. So I feel like from an introvert versus extrovert perspective, I think that's a debate that's overblown. But then coming to the part of personality of a captain, I feel that definitely reflects in the team mindset and the way team conducts itself. So for example, uh, continuing with Kohli So he normalized extremely high standards of fitness So he was a guy who went through the transformation Has worked on his fitness And now you can see that all the young players Within the team are following that example So that's his personality trait Where, you know, he's obsessed with fitness Which has rubbed onto the whole team Same case with Sarv Ganguly. So when he took over the reins India was kind of uh, struggling To come out of the whole match-fixing image But he was the kind of guy Who was inherently very confident about himself and you can see that in the way he conducted himself on the field and off it as well and that kind of rubbed on to the new players coming into the squad like the yura Singhs the Mohammad and everyone which gave them the whole aura of being the aggressive uh, young Indian team which can take on anyone and on the other side you also had Ponting's team which some might call was like overconfident at time or a little bit cocky at sometimes right but that eventually came from the way ponting conducted himself so if you would look at some of the documentaries which cover his early life he has been a very confident man right through his childhood he has always played above his age group and that's why he has been very cocky about his abilities and that kind of rolled on into the australian team he was leading so yeah sure you can say that you know they were cocky but at the end of the day, it was just the captain's personality which dropped onto the team. So I feel like that—that's a very big uh, consideration in picking up a captain. It's like, what kind of image do you want to send out? Not just to the world, but to the playing eleven, or to the people who are, you know, looking up to the next generation of leaders.
1: Yeah, and I think yeah, with with. In Ponting's case, I think the whole Australian team or the Australian culture by itself was that way, right? Uh, if you're not cocky, then you were considered a soft person and maybe not good enough for the job. As opposed to the Indian culture is slightly different. You've seen a mix of both, starting from Azruddin. He, he was pretty stylish. And in my opinion, he was more like an introvert. He he had uh, his words under control. Same thing with Sachin. Ganguly then came up. He, he was a bit more outspoken. But then Dravid, again, a very silent, introvert man. Dhoni, in a way, is a calm person. But I think he, he can mince words when required. right? And then Kohli has taken it to the next level. And if you look at the current generation, right? Kane Williamson, he's so silent. But... Again, I think he has that kind of aura in the team where he can get the best out of his players. So I like kind of Kane Williamson as well, right? He has his own style. Uh, he knows what what to get out of his players, who his best players are and what is going to make the New Zealand team successful. And same thing with Jason Holder. You, many people don't uh, realize, but I think over the last couple of years, he's done really good in building the team. The results are not quite up there, but I think West Indies team is slowly moving up. And maybe in next two to five years, they they will be one of the stronger teams. Uh, to compete
2: again. That's true And he is the kind of guy Who has just snuck Under the radar And you know He has led the team By example And he has led his team Very well As a captain right? Because yeah. the way you think In the past couple of years Since he has taken over reigns He has done some amazing Things for West Indies Be it his own Personal batting Or bowling records But also When it comes to You know Managing a relatively Young team With the whole West Indies cricket board Issues going on Where you know You are not certain If you are going to get The best players available As opposed to what the selectors want to pick from. Those are, in a way, mutually exclusive groups at this point uh, within the West Indian camp. But with, yeah. but with what he has, I feel like he has done a really amazing job.
1: Yep, and a similar person in this category would be Owen Morgan. After the 2015 World Cup where England got thrashed, right? they have picked themselves up very well, at least in the ODIs. And Morgan has been instrumental in doing that. He's built the team. He's kind of revamped the whole English cricket, right? Because the English team was going nowhere. Apart from the Ashes success, they they still had those up and down kind of curve in, in their success rate. But uh, I think yeah, he he's another person who's not talked much about. I mean, obviously because he's not as great as a player like a Coley or a Williamson. But I think in terms of leading his team, building a team, managing his team, I guess he's done
2: a a very good job. And the good thing about how he has turned the thing around is he has shown that change in the fundamental team attitude is possible, but it takes time, right? So it took him good three to four years since the 2015 World Cup where they were like, no, something has to change drastically. And that's when they started off with with their fast cricket approach. And eventually, it did pay off and no one can deny them being one of the top teams in the ODIs, at least at this point.
1: And also, I think, you know, while we are talking about captains, what do you think about the vice captains? How, how much impact do they have? And is there uh, any importance of having a vice captain or is it just to put on the papers? I mean, he can fill it up when, when the captain gets injured for a odd match, but... What are your
2: thoughts on Vice-Captain? So, I think that is actually a crucial position because, you know, as a captain, if everyone seems to be agreeing with you, you should be a little worried. At least that's my thinking. As, As a leader, whatever you're doing, everyone agrees with you. It either means that no one in the team has any idea of what they're doing or they are scared of what you might say in case they give them up to you with some kind of feedback, which are not necessarily the best scenarios to groom a team. So I feel the role of vice captain becomes important there where he has the captain's ear and has to make sure that, you know, he's giving him the right feedback or not just blindly agreeing to whatever the captain says. Right? Yeah. So I think in in that sense, like the vice captain's role becomes critical because at the end of the day, it's on the vice captain to make sure that the quality of the decision that the captain makes, you know, there's some kind of check and balance in place. Otherwise it's very easy for the captain to get carried away with just their own thinking.
1: Yeah, I think yep. yeah, those are, those are really good points. And I think having a vice captain is also more like an official mark for for the captain to you know get feedback from. Because uh, like we have discussed earlier, maybe the captain doesn't always have the answer. So whom does he look up to next? It has to be the vice captain. And vice captain has to uh, play that role right where he thinks yeah uh, maybe you know, in this particular situation in the match, something different could be done. So that's where I feel, yeah, maybe vice captain is important. And another way that I look at it is it could be a stepping stone to become becoming the captain, like more like moulding the next captain, giving him that you know, secondary role. And once uh, he's ready, then that transition can, can kind of happen smoothly.
2: And the perfect example of that was just uh, the recently concluded first test between England and West Indies, right? So, Jorud became unavailable right before the first game and then it came down to two players and one of them was uh, the current vice captain who ended up yeah. leading the team. So, I think in a way, it's kind of, um, you know, like an intern job for being a captain. Mm-hmm. In a way, you know, that uh, they give you tiny bits of exposures, but then, you know, when it comes time, the expectation... In most of the cases, is that the vice captain will succeed the captain. Yeah. So I definitely think that, that that position is not just for putting it on the paper, but it actually has some value if done right. How often it is done right? That's a whole different whole, whole different debate. But I feel like the position by itself definitely holds some value.
1: And does the does the position of a coach mean mean a lot? I mean, in terms of you know handling the team or taking decisions, or is he just more like Again, an advisor and then the captain does most of the decision making.
2: So I feel like the coach is more of an advisor, like you said, right? Because at the end of the day, when push comes to serve, people are going to remember the teams by the name of the captain that led them, right? So you often hear clive lloyd's team you hear couple daves, men you hear Pointing's team had this unbroken street right you don't hear the name of the coaches there so that's why i mean i'm not denying the importance of a coach's input and feedback but at the end of the day the responsibility for the decisions made lies with the captain and that is the part where the captain needs to have that self-belief that okay i feel like this is the right move for the team and i'm going to back myself to do this even if my coach does not agree with
1: you. and i think because- yeah i agree with that i think- The captain should always be the commander in chief, and then he should use the coach and and other support system to formulate a strategy against the opposition or, uh, you know, for a particular series. Or if a player is struggling with some kind of technique or going through a form plump, then that's where I think the coach should come into the picture. But other than that, I guess all major decisions, the playing 11 should lie with the captain, with input from coach.
2: Exactly, yeah. I mean, at that point, that that's the best the coach can do, right? Just give your input, share your thoughts and let the captain choose. Because it would be unfair for us to expect the captain to follow everything the coach says. Then why do you even have a captain in the first place, right? Yes.
1: And, what and doing sometimes doing? I think, yeah, if even, even the captain is going to have a bad day, right? So that's why the coach can... Come in and, uh, you know, put his arms around his shoulder and tell him yeah what's going wrong or what's going right and what can be done differently for him to take this team to the next level. So, I guess, yeah, the coach should only be restricted to that as opposed to in, in football. Where, where the coach or the manager is the main person uh, taking the decision. But again, it's a different strategy game compared to cricket. But there has been debates, right, where the coach should be given more responsibility or, or he should be allowed to take more decisions in cricket or not.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly don't agree with that part yeah. because it becomes like you know sure the coach needs to have some path but at the end of the day uh, neither the coach nor the captain should have uh, you know total control because you don't want to make it a dictatorship yeah
1: i think yeah and i think the famous example of greg Chappell, right he tried to control the team which he shouldn't have uh right with with gangul it didn't work out with dravid yeah maybe it did and it did not but uh, yeah, in the end, I don't think it was a very good uh, face for Indian cricket. And after that, what followed was the Gary Kirsten and Dhoni partnership, where Gary Kirsten was behind the scenes, and Dhoni did uh, most most of the uh, you know decision making or or how he
2: wanted to operate
1: the team. And we saw the absolutely results.
2: yep. And that that was a perfect uh, word that you used, the partnership. It has to be a partnership between the coach and the captain, right? Where the coach has to respect that at the end of the day, the captain is going to be responsible. But at the same time, the captain needs to uh, respect the experience of the coach and, you know, heed to their advice and consider it in their decision making. So it has to be like a give and take.
0: All right, gang, that's all we have for this week. Do join us next week as we start profiling some of 21st century's most amazing captains. This is the Cricket Social Podcast and you have been an amazing audience.